Hi, my name is Claire and I'm the mother of three teenagers with FESD. I'm Jessica, a PhD researcher specialising in educational interventions for children with FASD. And together we are the hosts of Spotlight on FASD, the UK's first podcast dedicated to shining a spotlight on fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. FASD is a condition caused by prenatal alcohol exposure that affects hundreds of thousands of children across the UK. And we're here to bring these conversations out of the shadows and make sure that no one living with FASD feels alone. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spotlight on FASD. We are really, really, really excited today to be joined by Ange, who is a biological mother of a child with FASD, and she is joining us from Melbourne, Australia. Now, this is um, a conversation that that we've been wanting to to arrange with Ange for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, and you know, we, we finally had the opportunity to to work our schedules and time differences and everything together um, to, you know, have this conversation. And we are we're really, really thrilled that you've joined us um, to to chat with us today. So hi, Ange. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. And yeah, thank you for giving me the platform. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. So we just we we first of all we are so grateful that you're taking the time to talk to us about this you are you and your story is everything that we want to, to get across about fasd um so we just what i suppose you know for our listeners who don't know anything about you who might not have encountered you on twitter um will you just tell us how your how you ended up being here this um this warrior mother, um, I was just thinking earlier when we're having a little bit of a chat before um, we start to record, I'm sitting listening to you and I'm thinking, as a mother, I'm sitting here thinking, this is what motherly love is. This is what motherly love looks like and sounds like. So I'm already going to start crying when I haven't started. So <laughs> <laughs> just tell us how you, tell us how you um, found yourself here. Just, just kind of start your story. Yeah, um, my story, um, basically, I was told that I could not conceive children without IVF. And at that point, I was devastated about that. I was really devastated oh, about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I was told that I had zero chance to fall pregnant. And also my dear mother, she got a, uh, a brain cancer, which is very aggressive and it's terminal. No one survived to this day. So she passed away at 58, which hit me terribly hard. And I turned to alcohol to self-medicate. And having been told that I couldn't have a child, that there was zero option um, except for IVF, I suddenly was feeling a bit strange one day and I, I took a test and, and I couldn't believe it. And I, I found myself at 34 years of age, um, hopelessly alcoholic. Mum had passed away in 2007 and my son was born in 2009. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd really, I had become a 24-7 top-up drunk, basically. And, um, yeah, with no prospect or, or chance or hope of getting pregnant. And then I found myself pregnant mm. at 34 and hopelessly alcoholic. So, um, you know, I, I got through that the best I could. I couldn't, um, physically couldn't stop because, you know, if I 
did every time I tried, my son Shay would go into distress. And so, yeah, he was born when he was born early and he needed a little bit of help when he was born. He needed some oxygen and a feeding tube for two days. We were in hospital for seven days. And um, yeah, so he was my my little miracle baby. And, um, you know, no mother or no no woman would actually deliberately drink to hurt their baby mm. and uh, yeah I didn't mean to hurt my baby either it was my miracle baby I was told I couldn't have one my mum had passed he's my miracle baby and um so yeah he had he had a low birth weight he needed some help and yeah so after like a, a couple of years he needed to go and live with his dad because I was not coping well I wasn't doing well at all so he needed to go and live with his dad his dad and I didn't work out there were issues obviously you know I had my issues um and yeah we didn't work out but he's remarried to a such a lovely lady and yeah they they, they actually foster carers themselves and they've got really high need children and uh, also all my little girl who's going to get a FASD diagnosis so yeah they're doing a, just a power of work themselves and I'm eternally grateful to to them um, because she needed to be elsewhere so that I could get myself better and I, I also want to add in there that it, I don't want to portray that it was all sweetness and light because it wasn't we did we had our World War Three mm-hmm. and we did play tug of war with Shay as parents you know as as often happens you know there was a tug of war and I do want to make it sort of really clear that you know as a bio mum there's a lot of adoptive parents out there and um yeah with as a bio mum it, it really hurts it hurts a lot um to for the shame and, and and the guilt like mother's guilt everyone every woman would guilt is just horrid at the best of times but you know being a bio, bio mum it can really get on top of you so um I needed to work through that and yeah, you know course. stop living in the past with that um as if time had stood still and do some serious work on myself mm-hmm. for the you know to, to to get myself better because if I wasn't okay I wasn't okay for anybody yeah. um so I'm eternally grateful that um his father and his lovely wife they had Shay with them for um a, quite a few years his his um sort of formative years and yeah so he was in a a good really good kindergarten so it only made sense for him to go on to the primary school there and um yeah so we've importantly about our world war three we we all we sorted it out we got through it we needed to because we have this dear little fella and the the best thing for these kids is continuity routine um seamless backwards and forwards if you happen to be co-parenting and just total because uh, most were well, my child, and I think I've heard it a lot. A lot of FASD kids, they pick up very quickly on our emotions, um, whether we think we're hiding it or not. They <laughs> pick it up very quickly. Oh, they can, they can. And so, yeah, it's really, really important because anxiety is, is and anxiety is often very high in FASD kids they're worrying about Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff so the seamless transitions and also it's been it's really really helpful even though we're in different households for everybody to be on the same page 
So we've got um, the speech, all of Shay's therapist notes get emailed across the board so that everybody is on the, the same page. And yeah, he doesn't really get a chance to play us off against each other. He might like to do yeah. sometimes, but that doesn't work because he's well aware that everybody knows everything. So um, it sounds so like that it works really like well. Perfect blueprint, but but I love how honest you are that it took a lot of hard work. Like it wasn't just this kind of perfect family blended family situation. It took a lot yeah. of hard work with him at the centre of it all. I want to take you back a tiny little bit. I've got a question. Um, when you found out you were pregnant, um, that, that shock discovery, at that point, did you have any awareness? Did you know fetal alcohol spectrum disorder was even a thing? Did you know anything about it? No, no. I knew that um, there were warning labels on alcohol. Um, we've, yeah, we've actually rallied in Australia to have those changed to be more productive dominant to look like an actual black and white warning as opposed to a little maybe you shouldn't when you drink um so yeah but no I didn't but I, I did start looking it up straight away because I knew that alcohol in pregnancy was not good and but as far as FASD uh, FASD uh, no I was unawares of that before I started extensively researching this is something because I knew it was coming we talk about this a lot because as women you just have this background knowledge it's just kind of you know it's not a good idea you know it's not good for your unborn baby to drink alcohol but we don't actually know why it's not good or what it can potentially do or will do and I, and I think that's just you know that this is just clearly a worldwide situation and mm -hmm. it baffles me it baffles me that it's such a it's such a dangerous topic and it's 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 just okay I think you know like governments and you know authorities are just so blase about it like you know it's maybe maybe not a good idea but you know obviously it is it is entirely up to the individual but I just think that I, I haven't spoken to anyone yet who knew what what alcohol would do to their their unborn baby when they were pregnant it, we just we just don't know and it and I know it's changing now, but it's just, you know, it, it fascinates me to think that there's just no education out there around it as standard as growing up. I, I, I never knew anything about it. And, um, you know, we, we talk about this so much. And I just, I wondered at that point if you, you know, I can imagine you were just in such shock that you'd found out that you, that you were pregnant. And then a, a mixture as well, because you must have also been elated because you didn't think you could have a baby. So it was like... Yeah winning the lottery just wonderful news um and then so when you found out when you started to read about it what did you do did you speak to any kind of medical professional about your concerns before he was born or did that i did speak to my obgyn about it but um i i did at the time feel quite judged about it and the simple explanation that was put to me is well you must stop and just stop and it's, yeah um, as i said i tried that a couple of times and and that didn't didn't really it didn't work he would i would go into distress and and he would go into distress every time so but yeah i i felt very, very judged by the OBGYN. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, they're not a bad OBGYN, but it's, it's, you can see that the no, the, sorry, the shame starts 
Yep. Straight away. Because I did start to disclose this, but then I was I wasn't shut down. It was and um, with sort of no referral to a counselling service or um, and and back then I, I didn't really have any knowledge of the uh, 12-step program I'm in now so I sort of didn't really feel like I had anywhere to turn and after seeing the um, my OBGYN for the first time and getting that kind of a reaction I was less wanting to reach out yeah, any further to than, talk to anyone else about mm-hmm. it yeah so I just looked at the horrors on uh, the internet and to be honest uh, I, I tried to pick and choose like the good parts and I, I'd be oh I would say one or two and all that and there's few of them out there unfortunately so they're the ones I was looking for but um, trying to you know pick out the good stuff but yeah the so the main things I was looking for were um, like the facial features and things like that but I had no idea that FASD was such a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. It is just so broad that it's it's incredibly just a very wide spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that was my experience with um, my first disclosure of my situation and it didn't go overly well. Um, so, yeah, that was that sort of put me on the back step a little bit. And it could have so easily, um, <clears throat> you know, you could have so easily gone the other way with that and thought, oh, gosh, I'll never say anything again. Yes. You know, that, that reaction yeah. could very, very easily have been, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said anything. I'll keep quiet next time. Um, this is how I'm going to feel every time. And, you know, feeling that that shame from just one person's reaction, you know, the, the strength that you had to go on and continue to say, you know, this is the situation in, in my pregnancy. This is a situation for my child. Um can you help me really like you know going to these medical professionals and saying like here's the information I'm giving it to you um is it, it's admirable it's incredible that yeah because I don't you know, I find it so easy to put myself and I feel like many of our listeners will as well but to put ourselves in your position there you know you you lose your mother very suddenly your coping mechanism because I'm sure um, across the globe, mental health services are not very easily accessible or they're expensive or, you know, th- there's not really much support there for things like that in terms of therapy. You know, it's very, very, very easy to turn to alcohol or turn to anything else as a coping mechanism. You're encouraged to. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're encouraged to as a society. Yeah. If something good happens, celebrate with alcohol. Something bad happens, make yourself feel better with alcohol. Yeah. It, it is such an easy you know I, I lost somebody very very close to me um through this and and I didn't think I could live alongside something like that happening and not realize that it was happening and not be able to stop it from happening and you know but it's so socially it's not even socially acceptable it is socially encouraged to yes. make yourself feel better by just putting the wine or the lovely gin in your in your shopping trolley and you know there's nothing you know I I do like a drink of alcohol um, when I'm able to clear at least 24 hours after where I can like where I don't have to kind of look after three kids, which is very rare. But so I'm not saying that I'm you know completely anti-alcohol, but 
we are as women you are you feel like you've got to come up with a good reason not to drink alcohol like it's there's so much pressure and it's it's a it's just a a, a trickle a constant trickle of this is you know this will make you feel better and it's just so easy to do mm-hmm. and it's just you know they you know but by the grace of god go anyone because it is so easily that slippery slope is so easy to go down when that is making you feel better and it's something that you can easily get and it's affordable. You know, it, it isn't difficult at all for it to happen. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. It's not difficult for that to happen. It's right. not, it, and it doesn't take an, a particularly extreme circumstance because I think there are, you know, way more people than would even, and it's not even a case of them not admitting it, but that would even register with them that actually they do depend on alcohol. Mm-hmm to get through their lives, which are by anyone's standards, um, you know, successful, you know, ordinary, you know, good jobs, yeah. family. And actually there is a, you know, there is a, a dependence on alcohol all the way through that. And that's not a judgment, it's just a fact. So yes. I kind of want to use that example of that's our our standard blueprint of, of, of modern life now to show that it is not a big step no it's level it's not a big step at all no, no it really isn't and um i'd also like to um we would, we would have touched on this anyway i think but i'd like to sort of interject and say that you know it's so so important that people know that you do not have to drink at high or alcoholic levels for FASD mm-hmm. to occur in your baby there are yeah. many many women that go to a wedding or it's new year's eve or christmas christmas and new year's eve and and just you know hit it really hard and, and have a few drinks and and then find out they're pregnant and they haven't done anything wrong and they they need not feel ashamed about that that you know mm-hmm. they didn't know they were pregnant but it's really important to reiterate that i know that the general consensus from what i've heard is that you do need to drink at high levels for FASD to occur and as we know that, that's not yeah. true one no. or two drinks on, at a wedding can cause yeah potential damage mm-hmm. so there really is no safe limit and I um, think that's one of the, the the urban myths that's up there with um and it's and it's not that it's an urban myth when what Jess and I always say is when we know better we do better so years ago that was what everybody thought um children with FASD were only born to alcoholic mothers I worry, we know we know differently now and that's not the case and it's the same with the facial features there are still so many medical professionals who will only diagnose if there are visible facial features and that's such a tiny percentage there's more chance of a child not having them than having them and again that depends on on the the, the point in pregnancy that alcohol was consumed and i think what you've just raised there like say christmas and new new year and we, are, we want to talk about this to try and comfort and protect women. We don't want to talk about this to judge women in any way. You have no clue that you're pregnant. It's Christmas and New Year. And you have no clue that you could get pregnant either. In your yeah. Life, which and, is... and so you are living normal life. Yeah. You are living a normal life that not a single person would judge because it's Christmas and New Year. You have you're, you're enjoying a drink like most other people. To then be kind of you know to then find out that you're pregnant, you should be able to say right, okay, so this is it, it should be so matter of fact. Like I ate these foods, <laughs> I did this, and I drank this. 
OK, let, let's keep a track of that. And if if we run into problems down the line, we'll we'll know what we'll we'll have a pathway to go down. And it just yes. should be a matter of fact as that. And that's what we are striving for. And hopefully with the new the, the nice quality standards that are coming out in the UK this year, we want to just normalize that as part of your every intervention with a medical professional when you're when you're pregnant and far from kind of trying to monitor women and tell us what you're doing and we're going to keep a track of it and use it against you it is the polar opposite of that um yes. yeah and i just think that i feel so passionately about it because we kind of in no other i always go down these trains of thought when i'm talking about stuff if an accident occurred during pregnancy like an accident that anyone would happily accept was an accident heaven and earth would be moved to support the mother, to support that child throughout their lives. Heaven and yes. earth would be moved because that would be such a sad thing. And I think it is only because of society's attitude towards alcohol that that doesn't happen to our FASD children. And it makes me sad and angry and fuels me in equal measure that that is that's not the case and why on earth shame on anybody who doesn't say it that way shame on them really that's that's how i feel about it um i'd never thought about it like that before you know imagine someone contracted some kind yeah. of infection in pregnancy yeah. and ended up with a child with a disability and it would just be oh that is so tragic and let's try and help and what can we do and services in place and this child can't suffer children quite often who are born with fasd end up inadvertently being being punished for it through the systems for the rest of their lives and that is just wrong and that needs to stop and it will stop it will but it's just it's so sad that it happens anyway and i just think that you know it's i love talking to you about this and normalizing this um and just forever grateful that you're willing to share your story because there are so many people who who wouldn't feel brave enough to do that because of the judgment um, and, and I suppose even from their own families as well when it's you know I just don't know how we're, you know we will get over it but it's just such a, a, a steep learning curve for everybody isn't it yeah and I think I think what's really really important here is that and you know you've said that that you went to those appointments and you spoke about your your alcohol use and you, you know you you had those conversations and you were very very open and as a result of that, your son received these early interventions, you know, these things were in place and there was services um, within Australia, within your area that you could access. And as a result of that, he's doing brilliantly. You know, we talk about early intervention and the benefits of, you know, having that early diagnosis and early intervention. So, um, yeah, I was just hoping that you could speak to that a little bit because, um, you know, I think your story and your honesty and the, the fight that you've had to overcome and to then overcome, you know, the, the society societal view of, of FASD and get these supports for your son in place has made his life so much better. And, it you know, it, your bravery has completely changed the trajectory of of where he is now. And so, yeah, please share a little bit about that, because I think that's that's really important as well. Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, again, his, his father and wife actually started him in early intervention. Uh, he, was, he was diagnosed, um, I think, originally with autism, but I can't, can't that out. Um, 
No, he, he was diagnosed by a FASD-informed paediatrician who actually saw his facial features straight away. And we were going there for a second opinion on an autism diagnosis. And he was able to take one look at Shay and my history, of course. Yeah. And within two minutes, he said, this child does not have autism. This child has FASD. Mm -hmm. And that was the diagnosis on the paper. Um, so then at that point, Shay was still living with um, his father and his wife, and they were a little ways away. So they got him started into early intervention when he was three. So he went into speech and he went into OT. Um, he's only just started psych at 10 because, it, yeah, he's a little bit young for psych. Yeah, it's not, it's not really appropriate before yeah. then, is it? It's not that you're not no, understanding. No. It's just not appropriate. He's not ready for it before then, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, they got him started and, yeah, he had OT, speech. So from, you know, about three years old, he was um, receiving the oh, – and huge shout-out to OTs, guys. Um, I am guilty of thinking that OT might be, you know, I'll get speech going and sight going and then I'll think about an OT. OTs are the – well, if you've got a choice out of anyone, pick an OT. Yeah. It's top of the pile, isn't it? We discussed it this before. Is. If you know, as, as a parent or a carer of a child with FASD, if if you found yourself in a in a in a world where you could only choose one intervention, hands down, with no hesitation, OT, and the same as you, and it's so funny, isn't it? Because when we were talking, I was going, that's exactly how I felt. I I, I gave it no weight. I just really didn't think it played any role in in it, it's pivotal in everything. So OT, and I think listening to you talk there, um, when you said when you were pregnant and you started to Google for stuff and you were trying to find the positive things. Everything you're talking about now, early intervention, that's what you were searching for on the internet. What what has happened with your son, what you've done with your son, that's what you were searching for, those yeah. stories. And, and it just wasn't that, there. It hurt. And I, what I want to stress is early intervention changes everything for FASD. And that's a, a, that's a pretty bold statement, but it is absolutely true. And most people are at least a decade into life before they get a diagnosis at least. And that's just because of the lack of knowledge around it. Um, and I think that if if we could stress to any any biological mother who either, you know, is concerned, you know, is pregnant now or already has a child and, and knows that that, you know, at the beginning or, or throughout whatever, knows that, that alcohol was consumed, if nothing else can kind of if we can like kind of put this support blanket around them and just say if you can find the strength to speak to somebody about it as soon as possible you will change the path of your child's life 100 percent without doubt it is so so important yeah and a lot of the the thoughts that can run through or have run through my head was um you know how selfish i'd been um it was pointed out to me that you know, it, it was an accident and, it, you know, that it happened as it happened. Um, but, yeah, it's you feel very, very alone, very selfish. Um, so, yeah, my, my kind of take on it is that the past is the past and it's happened and we cannot change that no matter what. It's a lifelong condition. So the earlier you can get to it, the earlier we can get these interventions in and the best outcomes these, these kiddos can have. Um, but 
where we are now what what are you what are you involved in so you so let's just recap you your strength and the and the strength of your um she's dad and his lovely wife your combined strength and determination you you've you've got him on the best path he could possibly be on you have um recovered yourself from a hideous illness and still working on that every single day else are you doing superwoman like what where, where are you now what are you what are you involved with where has this led you you've you've got him on the right path and now i suspect it doesn't stop there because that's a yeah, kind of thing that happens when when you are bitten by this bug and even though you um are sleep deprived and have not a minute to blink you find yourself involved in everything because you can't stay quiet about it that's my experience exactly. anyway so i imagine it's the same for you on the other side of the world it is mine too. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I completely outed myself on public Facebook and um, put it out there on Twitter and everything. And I just wanted to get the ball rolling just to say, um, you know, for birth mums and stuff, I, I know how you feel. And life can be really difficult. And when kids, because kids can hit milestones, but then they get to primary school and they start to get into trouble and they they seem like they're naughty kids or disruptive kids or, or generally non-compliant and they get consequences for that um whereas the truth of the matter is they literally haven't been able to process because their executive functioning is damaged they actually haven't been able to process what's asked of them so they do nothing they sort of fight flight with that and they end up being you know the naughty kids and the kids that are um, you know, that, that we were talking about earlier that get lost in um, in school systems and stuff like that. So um, really, it's just sort of a, an encouragement to, to any, any mum out there, you know your child best. And yeah. if, if you're seeing little, I like to call them symptoms rather than behaviours. Yeah. So if you're seeing, um, and you've gone for a diagnosis of ADHD or autism or something, ASD, and it's just come back with nothing, um, it's definitely worth going back and having a look because the spectrum's so broad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you're having a bit of a head scratch about why is my child having these kinds of reactions and symptoms and why did they learn something yesterday but they don't know it today um there there is a big chance that it could be fasd and it's mm -hmm. worth going back and it's worth coming forward ladies it, it really is because your life can be made so much better your kiddo's life is made so much better they have an easier time at school once you're armed with everything um and also yet armed with everything that parent you know that parent that might flood the school with FASD stuff and email three times a week and um you know send through free videos and webinars to just basically flood them and be generally a pain in the backside um but yeah to his school's credit they they totally accommodate him he has timeouts they ask him when he, um, every 15 minutes brain breaks um he has sensory stuff and all of this back to this again has been recommended by you guessed it his ot mm -hmm. and oh. it's all his ot life changes yeah and, and and life changes and and so i'd really like to um just yeah to wrap some cotton wool around around women that have consumed alcohol in pregnancy and just to let them know that 
you know, it's, it is the most selfless thing that, that you can do for your child to just speak out. And, um, you know, hopefully I would, my dream is that people say, if, if I mention FASD, I don't get a blank look. Like if you mention ASD, it's like, yep, absolutely. You mentioned FASD and nine times out of 10, it's, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love it to be as well known as um, ASD, but ASD does not come with the stigma that yeah. FASD does. Um, and I'd really like to try and remove that stigma because, as we've said, no woman sets out to hurt intentionally hurt their baby. Um, and early diagnosis is really important, but even if anyone's listening to this and maybe their child's a bit older than, than three years old, it, it doesn't matter. The earlier, the Still better. Is. Oh, yeah, and, and just diagnosis full stop. And I know there's a, there's a lot of conversation around... Um, not want to label a child or do I want to label a child with this? No, you, you just, you, you, you fit in a lens on their life that everybody yeah. gets to look through the same lens and, and, and to, you know, to be able to accommodate them appropriately. Um, listen, Angie, I know it's very, very late in Australia now. <laughs> we are so, so grateful that you've stayed up to talk to us. Um, no, that's fine. I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that you will be on this podcast over and over and over again oh i really hope things. so yeah. yeah you definitely definitely will um but you know i'm just so so grateful um from one mother to another from one woman to another that you have, have shared your story with us um yeah, yeah, and it's just i think it's such a um such a story of hope and you know i just hope that you know if one person listens to this and thinks right you know i know that this has happened and i'm going to speak to somebody about it then you know it would just be it would it would just mean everything and i think that i'm very grateful to you for 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 sharing yeah. it with us so thank you very yeah. very much yeah so probably the most what i'll leave you with is um it's no blame, no shame, ladies, but there is plenty of hope with a diagnosis, doors open, windows open. Mm-hmm. And it, you, instead of trying to get these kiddos to fit into our world, we can actually accommodate their world. Yeah. And when we do that, beautiful things happen because these kids have, they definitely have weaknesses, but, but they have some oh, killer have strengths, strengths as well. well. Yeah, definitely. Um, my son is humorous yeah so as if we can get the right accommodations in place then those strengths really really shine through and and that's that's the best way forward for everybody so Mm -hmm. yeah no blame no shame plenty of hope and yeah um hopefully i've helped um you know at least one person to Oh, I'm sure. To feel better, feel yeah. better about yourselves, ladies. Definitely, you know, women, everybody. Yeah, just um, just don't be too hard on yourself about it. Things happen, mm-hmm. but you know, there are kiddos, and we can make a better life for them by you know, and don't be if there's people that aren't FASD informed, don't be scared to sh- shout it from the rooftops. Um, I think my child has FASD because sometimes that's required too. A lot of shouting from rooftops. So, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting us share your story. Like, thank you for for coming and joining us. And yeah, you know, full of admiration for for what you've done and and for for you speaking out and uh, you know being being public about it and and taking on a role very similar to Claire and you know fighting daily to to better the lives of those on the same journey and you know that just paving that pathway that's uh, ahead of everybody in this 
in this world. So yes, and thank you everybody for listening once again. We um we really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, we've really loved chatting to Ange and um yeah, as always, if anybody wants to get in touch, if anybody's got any questions, um, please feel free to do so. But we really, really hope that that this episode has helped some people and there's there's a lot to be taken away. So thank you. Thanks again, Ange. Thank you.